I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Welcome to Prattle World, I'm your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan, and in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to the very first edition of a Western Month. You guys voted for it, and you got it. So we are going to be discussing this month everything within the Western genre that makes it so loved, so treasured and so honoured as a, a genre as it is. You know, it's had its ups and downs and its twists and turns. You've got your weird westerns, your revisionist westerns, your acid westerns. You've got all different types of westerns. So we're just celebrating all those kind of characters, movies, everything I can think of potentially. So this is the very first edition. I hope you guys have been looking forward to this because I know I have. Um, I'm a big fan of, of the genre. You name it. Uh, Wild Bunch, Good, the Bad, the Ugly. You name any Western movie and I've got a bit of a, probably a bit of a soft spot for it or going into it. But we are going to look at all t- different types and different genres within the western genre but the subgenres rather but we are still going to maintain the kind of traditional western i don't want to go too crazy we're not going to go really out there with you know space westerns or you know futuristic westerns or weird westerns or horror i'm just going to kind of stick to fairly traditional kind of western tropes and and ideas and things in the coming months so i've got a lot of guests lined up um i think it's gonna be a really good good theme month so uh let's begin i initially when i was kind of crafting the month itself and what i was going to include and you know some some of these things kind of can change and shift and some of them don't always stay you know things don't always go to plan guests can drop out you know um things change and with the i was going to do a top five jonah hex stories so one of my favorite kind of western characters especially in comics uh great grim tough hard um you know morally ambiguous kind of character um, morally gray um, fast absolutely fascinating i've not even seen the movie so i can't even comment on that but i remember seeing the trailer and got turned off it almost immediately um but that's that's fine but the, the i've been really digging into the comics their comics are really really good the stuff especially the stuff by um uh Jimmy Palmiati and uh, Justin Gray, absolutely fantastic stuff, really, really good. Um, maybe I'll get to it at some point, but because of the kind of current climate uh, with the Black Lives Matter and stuff, I felt it was a little inappropriate or ill-advised to celebrate a character who, though never been depicted as racist or, or having those kind of that kind of hatred of any race, um, 
he does wear a Confederate uniform. He did fight for the South, and obviously, um, you know, the, the the Dixie flag and everything else, all that kind of, there is kind of a lot of kind of heavy racist connotations, and I didn't want to, you know, trigger anybody or upset anybody, potentially, with that stuff. So I decided not to do that. I decided not to go with that. Again, I like the character. Um, recent, not long after I made that decision, I made it. I put it on my social media. I was like, because I was kind of sort of hinting that I was going to do a Jonah Hex themed something. I would have done this, but I think right now is not the right time. So I may well come back to it, maybe uh, another point. But again, the character has never been written as racist, and there's you know there's lots of of images I can pull up, and and you know it, it never it never really categorically says why he wears the Confederate uniform, uh, but from from a lot of the dialogue in his books, it's never it was never about race for him. It was basically about belonging to the South. He was um, he was sold into slavery in to Native Americans by his dad, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I decided to look at another comic, which I'm really glad I did, because this is superb, brilliant crossover comic. I love a good, you know me, I love a good crossover. You know, characters that don't usually meet, you know, bumping into each other, comparing their differences and their similarities, you know, uh, swapping things over, you know, all sorts of that kind of stuff. It, it's, it always kind of gets my juices going and, and the possibilities are kind of endless in that in that regard. We're going to look today at Django Zorro. So this is a crossover between the character Django from Django Unchained, the Quentin Tarantino movie uh, about the uh, Django Freeman who starts off as a slave and is freed and becomes a bounty hunter with, uh, I think it's Dr. Dwight Schultz, I want to say. I think that's the character's name. And if you've seen the movie, you know kind of how it plays out. I won't spoil it too much here, but this is the official sequel to... This is currently the official sequel to this movie now funnily enough when i decided to do this like within days it was announced that screenwriters were writing an adaptation of this very story so it's really quite exciting what's even more kind of wonderful about it is that quentin tarantino you know supervised the story um he added his elements he added uh, his ideas um matt wagner who's a comic book writer of you know uh, grendel mage batman books trinity you name it he's done pretty much everything and and he's a fantastic artist the shadow he's done so he recently for dynamite comics uh reimagined the origin of zora kind of give it a you know we get a new origin for Batman and Superman every day of the week, so why not Zorro? And he kind of modernised it in a way. It's still very much set in the Wild West and, you know, has all those kind of tropes that we would expect from a Western and a swashbuckling adventures of Zorro, you know, the fox, El Zorro. And, it, but he, he kind of, it, it, it gives it a lot more layers, a lot more kind of character and some really interesting stuff. Um, so I hadn't read any of the Zorro stuff by Matt Wagner prior to this, but I have now gone back and started reading Zorro Year One, which is really, really good as well. It's just high caliber work. Um, he doesn't draw, Matt Wagner doesn't draw it himself, so I'm always a little disappointed when he doesn't draw because I love his work. Um, but I think it's Franco Francovilla in that. Uh, but in this, it is 
Esteve Poles. I'm, I'm probably butchering that. Or Esteve Poles, perhaps. So Quentin Tarantino, Matt Wagner and Esteve Poles all working on this book. And this is a, a crossover between two companies as well. So this is, inter, this is an intercompany crossover, which is very, very rare, actually. Not as not doesn't happen as often. Marvel basically don't do these anymore. DC do, uh, Vertigo do, um, you know, IDW love them. Uh, IDW owns a lot of stuff that they cross over genuinely anyway. I, I always love when they do it, so I'm always well up for them. Like, because there's a, there's a Transformers, it might already have fully come out now, but there's a Transformers and Terminators comic which I'm up for reading. Sounds amazing. Bring that on. But yeah, so um, let's crack on anyway to the story itself. So the the timelines of Django and Zorro don't really match up that perfectly. So so it's not a young Zorro we see. This is an aged Zorro. This is a kind of... Imagine kind of Anthony Hopkins in uh, The Mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. If you can kind of picture his character, Anthony Hopkins' original Zorro, aged, wants to kind of pass the mantle on, sort of... Um, He's it's it's kind of that kind of character that we're seeing. Um, Don Diego de la Vega is is a really quite a fascinating character, and you know went on to inspire Batman and a lot of other a lot of other kind of characters of of that kind of comic book pulp esque era. And he's quite it's quite interesting because he plays this kind of flamboyant foppish um, kind of dandy. This is his character. This is his. Um, you know, this is is Bruce Wayne. You know, to Batman to Bruce Wayne, like Bruce Wayne is the mask. You know, that's the that's the the false face that Batman wears. The true face of Batman is in the cowl, and it's almost a bit of that. But in a way, that's Tarantino describes it in the in the introduction. It's it's not an effect affectation. It is who he is. He just kind of plays up to that. You know that posh kind of tough dandy persona um this cowardly flamboyant you know um <laughs> you know richmond this kind of caballero um spanish nobleman this kind of character he plays and he's you know flamboyantly dressed and and it's quite it's quite interesting to see that and to see him in these kind of very serious, very macho, very toxic male environments where he's, you know, he's, you know, throwing his hanky about and, you know, you know, speaking Spanish and the, you know, when he's like, they're like, we will absolutely speak no Spanish at this table. You know, he's, he's doing all that. And um, it's a really, it's a really fun character. And it really does kind of juxtapose the way Django is. Django is very like, he's very straightforward uh, no nonsense, you know, straight to the point, you know, why why do we have to do all this plotting and planning subterfuge, which, you know, El Zorro is, like his namesake, very crafty, like a fox, and and Django is the, <laughs> the exact opposite of that, he's like, why don't we just shoot him straight in the head, job done, end of, you know, and, but El Zorro is not like that, he likes to play the game and to kind of make the villains, um, you know, undo themselves, come to their own kind of, you know, hoist their own petard, so to speak. So yeah, it's it's really interesting to see those two the two characters meet. It starts off with the with Django kind of walks up to the very fancy, very expensive looking uh, carriage that Don uh, Diego de la Vega 
um, has as a as a carriage, and his and his uh, mute kind of basically uh, Zorro has kind of a an, an Alfred type. He is called Bernardo. He's a Native American. He grew up with very close. Um, taught him everything he learnt and respects him. He's a mute. Um, I learned in in Zorro Year One that he's mute because the um Zora's father was away um Diego's father was away and pirates attacked their home and they killed so Zorro in this in this version as well is is part native american as well his mother is a native american kind of warrior woman and his father is this uh, caballero kind of spanish nobleman and and during this this attack you know the mother of Zorro is defending herself and you know picks up like a hatchet and all that sort of tomahawk and all that stuff and is kicking some serious ass but Bernardo's Bernardo's mum tells him to promise her to always be quiet no matter what happens um always be quiet never never speak until until I say um these men come in and they basically assault her and kill her in very brutal fashion and Bernardo watches the whole thing and because he made that promise, he never he never speaks again. Uh, a lot of people assume he's a deaf a deaf mute, but actually he's just mute. And you know, it's almost like uh, it's out of respect for his dead mother. So he's he's a really fascinating character as well, Bernardo in his in his own right. And it's quite interesting to see his his dialogue or lack thereof with with Django. But it's, yeah, it's really really interesting. But yeah, Django comes up to this carriage. He's like, I need a ride. My horse is lame. Da 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 da. They start having a chat. They have they share a good you know Don Diego de la Vega loves. A good cucumber sandwich so you know shares shares one with uh with Django um and Django is kind of he's he's, he's playing a bit of a game so what transpires is that Django is actually knows this carriage would be a target for men he is after as a bounty hunter um so his marks are there and obviously they they rock up to the carriage try to rob it and Django's there just bam 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 amazing shot that he is kills them all dead um and that's it and he goes to wants to collect the bounty um so he's going to the next town to collect the bounty um and on the way Zorro says can I hire you I I need some help I need um I need a bodyguard it's like well I'm not I'm a bounty hunter I'm not really a bodyguard I'm not it's not really what I do um it's not it's out of my comfort zone but yeah so he, he agrees the because he basically goes I've got gold and like gold and he's like yep um I could do with some money for uh good old Brunhilde Brunhilde's not in this adventure she's kind of off uh, somewhere kind of t- trying to sort their lives out and kind of put the house together, I think, uh, or some land that they've they bought together. But yeah, Django could always do some more money, so um, so they hire him, and then they they rock up to this town, and and all the while, like Django isn't like though he's a bit more kind of you know rough edged and kind of blunt with his kind of the way he acts and responds to situations he's still very intelligent he knows there's something not quite right about don diego de la vega he thinks is not you know there's something he's not quite being 100% honest with or you know isn't telling him the whole story so so yeah he there's a bit in the town where they start basically um, they start. There's a group of kind of really thug-like criminals start making fun of uh, Diego and saying he's too flamboyant and too camp. And then Diego just kicks their ass um, seriously, like takes them all out, gets a sword, and leaves the mark of Zorro on one of their hands. And and uh, that's that's kind of as as the first issue ends. Great opening. What I love about this is all the interaction with. Uh, 
I could just have done with more in this whole story, just more interaction with Zoro and Django. You know, it's it's gold. It's absolute gold. Every time they're in the room together, every time they're discussing, every time they're debating their, you know, their methods and, and modus operandi and how they approach things. It's really fascinating and and they respect each other. There's this huge mutual respect for each other. Diego kind of keeps the secret for tries to keep the secret, but again, He's he's getting old in his in his ways and uh, can't always can't always be the best and the most secretive. But again, it's the kind of the flamboyancy of him, kind of, and the it kind of comes out in all of his um, interactions with anybody really. But the the main issue I have with this story, like it's all it's all great, some great action, um, some great set pieces. Um, the dialogue is so good. Um, again, this if if you're uncomfortable with it, there will there is a few kind of if if you're familiar with Django there you know there's a fair amount of kind of racial slurs and and phrases that would have been used at the time if you're easily offended by that i probably wouldn't pick up this book but then again you probably wouldn't have watched django so i imagine you wouldn't pick up this book but there you have it but the issue i the issue i have with the book is mostly the villain um and he's known as the archduke of arizona so he is actually based on a real guy He's based on a guy named James Reedus, who was kind of a master forger. And uh, and it's kind of almost a retelling of that story. It's a fictional story uh, that they're telling, but it's very, very close to what, what James Reedus back in the day did. He basically tried to make Arizona into kind of a sovereign state. And this was actually, this actually inspired a film with Vincent Price called The Baron of Arizona and it just the story itself it, it kind of just showcases it takes him like years and years he meets this young girl and then he basically goes to this kind of monastery and goes to these other places and kind of crafts out evidence that this 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 massive piece of land always belonged to this young girl um you know it's written it's written in documents he goes to this monastery he lives in this monastery for like 5 years just so he can get access to these kind of documents so he can rewrite them and forge forge the information he needs to be able to just get basically claim this land and then he goes and he marries this young girl um and the son was always in love with this young girl even though she's been renamed and you know that's just whole part of the plan you know and as interesting as that sounds it's not as interesting as it should be on the page it really i i was like after this great introduction of the two characters meeting and everything i was like right give me some more of this yes but the second issue is just a whole issue of basically his backstory and it's just not as interesting as i would want it to be i understand i'm not i'm not the very au fait or familiar with like zoro's rogues gallery even if he has one specifically or like a main adversary an arch villain but this one yeah he kind of i mean he's just he's generally just like an, an evil bland owner there's not really that much more to him he's you know he's a white guy and even though he took his he t- takes his you know, title and his class and and everything from this this young girl who doesn't really know much. You know, he refuses for her to speak Spanish in the house, um, things like that. Um, but he's basically using in this the plot he has is basically he's trying to. There's a lot of silver I think in the area, and he wants to make. He's making a mine. He's making a mine, and he's kind of 
getting all the silver out, but he's also creating a railroad because he thinks that Arizona will eventually become part of the United States because it currently isn't. And Zorro has heard of this and is unsure. And I'm not sure, I, was, I can't remember how Zorro kind of finds out, uh, but I think there's I think there's something, maybe a letter gets sent or who knows. Um, I can't really remember um, how he discovers that there is a forgery, that it's, that it's fake. Um, but he seems to know everything. Um, but Zoro is a very intelligent guy. So, um, But maybe I could have done with how did he figure it out? How did that message get passed on? Maybe it says it in the book and I've just forgot. That is really my, my only gripe with this book. I do, I do love when, again, just any time Django are together, um, Django and Zoro together, it's just... It's just perfection as as kind of crossover comics go. This is, you know, every kind of world's finest comic. Every time, you know, if we got a world's finest movie, that's what it would be and that's what you would want from it. You know, or a, a Daredevil and Spider-Man. You would want the differences, and but then you would want the similarities as well to be brought to the fore in those kind of sweet, kind of slow character moments. But then you also want the cool kick-assery and stuff. And you get that in all of this. But yeah, I, I I do kind of I I like the kind of the dripping in of the Zorro mythos throughout because I'll be honest, you will you kind of if you're coming into Zorro, Zorro very you know you don't really know much about him at all. I think this will tease you enough that you might be interested in reading the other Matt Wagner stuff because I'm definitely more interested now and I'd like to read a bit more uh, of of his take on Zorro and and those adventures. Um, but I think you kind of have to come in. It's it's tricky because you, you kind of don't need the the backstory because it, it doesn't give you a full backstory. It doesn't go, this is what happened to Django in the film. This is what previously happened to Sorry, You don't get like a previously on X-Men. It's just crack on. And and if you pick up little bits of character, a bit of bits of, you know, there's a flashback with Dwight Schultz and various other kind of characters, but you don't need it. But if you do want it, I would recommend going watch the film or reading a bit more of Matt Wagner's Zorro. It's quite a fascinating read, regardless. You can just you can you can read this in one sitting. Genuinely, I I just flicked through it. I was done in like an hour um, at most. Um, it's just a fun read. It just flies by. It's a great kind of adventure. Um, it's quite interesting as well. Now, uh, Reginald Hudlin, um, who you might know from kind of, uh, he was like the writer director of House Party and uh, Eddie Murphy's Boomerang. He produced uh, Django as well. Um, and he also wrote an amazing run on Marvel's Black Panther. Highly recommend reading that because it is just the one of the best runs on that character you will find. It's where, mostly where, kind of famously where Black Panther and Storm married. Um, that's one of the big, big parts of uh, that that run, um, and it just you know just adds so much like great stuff to the character that was already there, but he just kind of you know cherry picked it, added what he needed to. Um, it's a great run, but he came up with the idea, and, and he was kind of because he works at Dynamite or works in association with Dynamite, and he, and he knows Tarantino. He said, "What do you think of this? What do you think of this idea?" And he loved it. Um, Tarantino loved the idea of of, of taking the greatest kind of um, Spanish, uh, Mexican, Western hero and teaming it with, you know, probably the most famous kind of black Western hero there is as well. Um, 
you know, it was, it was. I think it's really good to see that that the West was won by people that were not white. You know, there was like these characters out there that were doing the right thing in this harsh, horrific time. And it's amazing to see like Zorro's Zorro's kind of inspirational speeches and these kind of moments where he inspires the native slaves to kind of rise up and fight back. It even inspires Django. Like he's a guy who's he literally says, "I'm not a hero. I am not." this i'm not this person that i you know i do it for the money like yeah there's some some bastards need to die but i'll i'm i'm more so for the money but again like the inf- they influence each other in great ways so you know zoro's like yeah maybe we should be i should be a bit more straightforward and django brings him down to earth because all this kind of like he hangs about with all the toffs and the elite this like white elite of america you know sometimes he needs to be brought back down to earth um and that's exactly what django does but then django kind of you know needs to look outside of himself and brunhilde and kind of and look at you know what's happening so and he and he does my my god he he gets so inspired he drives a, a train directly into this mining camp um and the, where they're building the railroad and they're doing the mining and everything um to free all the slaves ends up almost killing himself driving this train some amazing stuff and the artwork is really good it's really effective it's it's not too it's not too kind of it's just what you need. It's kind of rough, ready, but it's also it does have an a, an air of beauty. And you know, see, seeing Zoro kind of rise up on his rise up on his horse, and he's got the he's got the whip going and everything. Um, you know, the silhouette and all the explosions going off. Um, it's really quite quite a book. It's available digitally as well on Comicsology and get it physically. Uh, you get the single issues as well, eBay or Amazon. Same as usual. But it's such, such a great book. But I just really have to... Again, it's like... Again, the issue I have is the villain. The villain is not as interesting or as fascinating as I think he could have been. Um, Again, I understand he's based on a real person and that's quite an interesting story. But I think there could have been more elements or you could have spread that throughout the seven issues i think seven issues as opposed to having one big block of of him he goes to the monastery he he forges this he writes on a on a big rock wall that you know i i am entitled to this land you know a full issue of that was just a bit much for me again i would have just just cherry picked maybe some flashbacks throughout that's again that's more of a structural story thing for me um even at the end the his the comeuppance for the archduke does not come at the hands of zorro does not come at the hands of django which again i felt that was disappointing after all this um and i want i want spoil again i don't want to spoil too much because it's a really good book and I, I want everybody to go out and read it some amazing uh, moments as well like where django uh, impersonates has to impersonate zorro so he has to wear all the black and like and uh <laughs> there's a bit where like uh de la vega's like um do you know how to use a whip and he's like i'm familiar with whips and he just like cracks it and like takes off an entire curtain rail and he's like yeah that's that's yeah that's pretty good um but watch this and he like crack zorro cracks his whip three times and takes out each candle like three candles on a little stand and there's a bit where like Django and and Django and Zoro are comparing their blade to their gun, and he's like, uh, I don't know why you, I don't know why you have a gun, you know, you you know can miss and you need to reload and stuff. And he's like, you know, your accuracy can be poor. And he's like, and he just 
shoots um, straight and is just like, you've got a problem with accuracy? And he's like, fair enough, but I will say this, I'll never have to reload my sword because my blade and my whip are always ready. <laughs> so yeah, and it's it's just a fun book and it's it's kind of a great little marrying of those two worlds, like the the kind of old old west of the swashbuckling adventurer with this kind of Django's kind of take where it's a bit more dark and disturbing uh, and kind of violent, very violent. Because there's a section where Django just goes apeshit with his guns and, and basically massacres all the slave drivers. Uh, and Zora's like, we are trying to you know figure out this plot and get the evidence we need and this you know i told you to be like low profile and you've just massacred he was like you've got your way i've got mine that is just the way we work but it's such such a fun read and i highly highly recommend this book um get out and read it if you can if you can get hold of it it's fantastic just such again i kind of it's it's quite a straightforward story, so it's not something I really want to spoil too much without telling a lot of it. Um, I want to save the the rest of those kind of cool little moments for you. Um, but it's uh, it's it's a fantastic it's a fantastic read. Um, some great characters, some great writing. Again, the only issue I have is the villain. You might disagree. That's fair. But again, that's a very minor part of this story for me the just the interaction between Zoro and Django is just it's it's it is dynamite if you will um <laughs> so couldn't say anything else um bad about it really it's a great it's just a great crossover comic it's a great intercompany crossover it's just a great comic in general quality comic book talent quality filmmaking talent you know Reginald Hoodlin's involved as well um the artist again fantastic work um, I really like his kind of rough yet beautiful kind of line work. Um, it's really, really good. And the, the lighting's really good when they shift the colours. And you can really tell, like, I, I love it when Diego drops out of character when he sees something really horrific. Um, there's a scene where one of the native slaves um, gets his leg blown off. And he's like, these people, that man's life is ruined, and these people don't even care. Like he totally drops that effort, that kind of like, oh, I'm a fop, oh, I'm a dandy, oh, I'm a coward, oh, Zoro, oh no, you know all this. He just he just drops it all in, just like this is wrong, this is evil. And I think that's that's what's so great about about that character and about they do have their differences, Django and Zoro, but again, they're on the same side. They're, they're fighting for the same thing, you know, and they do it in their own ways. And that's what makes the book. And it just makes it an excellent team-up book and an excellent book about, you know, Westerns and the kind of the difference between those kind of classic Zorro movies and what we get nowadays, what we get with Django. Very, very different um, tonally, like absolute opposites. But in the within this within this structure and within the story and with Matt Wagner behind it, behind that kind of that framework he's managed to kind of blend them quite seamlessly together and you know some people might think it's quite a ridiculous premise like Django teaming up with Zorro but it absolutely 100% works uh this is this is gold again I'd probably give it like 4.5 stars great 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 stuff again it's up there with with some of my favorite crossover comics again i've talked about crossover comics before and how much i enjoy them um so if this is your you know cup of tea if you're into westerns you like django or you like zorro either or give it a go it's a fantastic read 
Well, thank you very much, guys. This has been our very first edition. Um, so next week, me and Dennis will be looking... Dennis is back. Surprise, surprise. Uh, we're going to be looking at a Clint Eastwood film, a revisionist western known as High Plains Drifter. So a stranger comes into town, nameless stranger. Um, and he's certainly not the hero of this story. Uh, but more on that in the next podcast. So before we go, guys, I'm just going to tell you where you can find me. So I'm on Facebook. It's at Secret Balls on Facebook. Twitter, it's at Dan underscore Balls. Instagram, Spider Dan Secret Balls, all one word. And the podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and many, many more. And if you'd like to donate towards a podcast, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash spider down the secret balls and don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle when you interact with us thank you very much for your time and i will uh, i will ride out now into the sunset as i always do